Thank you for checking out the City Church Podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know you are loved. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Well, good morning again, everyone. Man, it's great to see you here at our 9 a.m. service. My name is Elle, and I am joined on the stage by some lovely people. Y'all are wondering what is going on because this isn't what it normally looks like. Hey, our lead pastor, Pastor Brent, he's on vacation today. And so some of our team, we get the amazing opportunity just to share a little bit with you. And so this is some of our team. I'm going to have them introduce themselves to you so that they're not complete strangers. So I've asked them, you're going to say your name, uh, what role you serve in here at the church And because it's summer, and because it's been so hot, and we can't stand the heat, what is your ultimate summer vacation destination? Ready? Here we go. All right. My name is Tyler Fitch, um, and I am the student ministry director, along with my wife, Jane. And I get to do that. I get to serve on worship, and I get to do some graphics. Um, And my dream vacation, um, I have like... You know how there's like do nothing vacations and then do something vacations? I've actually never done like an all-inclusive. So any kind of all-inclusive, that's like my like do nothing. If I were to like go somewhere and do something, Italy. Oh, that's a word for someone this morning. Uh, My name is Elle. I get to serve with our worship and our production teams. Uh, Count it a great pleasure to be with them all the time. Thank you, whoever said that. Uh, Love them to death. Um, And my dream vacation destination, I am not a morning person. So whenever I can sleep in, that's goals for me. I really like just like lying on a beach, like Cuba. No, Fiji. Bali. You know, that's, that's where I am. That's where I am. Hi, my name is Michael. Um, I assist Tyler and Jane with, um, with City Youth, specifically Junior High, on Sunday mornings. Yeah. And um, my dream vacation spot would be, um, I think, Tokyo. I've always been interested in the, the culture there, and I just kind of want to see it myself. And I know a few people that have been there. They say it's amazing, and you have to go. So, yeah. My name is Jane, and I do um, all things creative, and then I also serve in youth with Tyler, and um, I'm on a rotation in City Kids Elementary as well. And my dream vacation, I've always wanted to visit Spain, um, just the architecture and everything there, so yeah. Good morning. My name is Julianne, (laughs) and I serve as the Connections and Events Coordinator here at church. Um, And my, okay, let me premise by saying I don't enjoy heat, but I would want to visit South Africa or West Africa just because I'm, Nigeria or Ghana. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. So, hey, before we get started, you you can actually get set up. Um, So what we're going to do this morning, each of us, there are five of us, we're going to talk for five minutes-ish. You're going to grace us if we go a little bit over, yeah? And so here, uh, this isn't obviously what we do all the time, and we are honored to be here to just to share a little bit of our story. Pastor Brent asked us just to share a scripture that kind of helps solidify our faith uh, as we went through an experience. And so that's what we're going to be sharing with you this morning. But if you hear something you like, yeah. okay, if you're like, wow, 
you're blowing my mind. We just need to hear that. You're going to encourage us this morning. This is going to be a conversation. We're not talking at you. We're just actually going to learn from each other this morning. So we're going to practice. For example, if I said, ah, the Raptors are champions, you would say, there you go. Okay, so it's a little bit, you don't have to worry about making noise in church. We sing when, you know, we, we do praise and worship. So when we talk this morning, you're going to talk back to us. Are you guys excited for 5 for 5 this morning? All right. So let's give it up for Julianne as she kicks us off. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you so much. Okay, so good morning again. I just want to start with a question this morning. Does anyone like a good DIY project? Yes, good. Wow. I was not expecting that response. I love DIY projects. For those of you who don't know what DIY is, it stands for do it yourself. So essentially, you get to uh, build or decorate or repair something at home on your own versus hiring a professional or anything like that. Um, And if you're familiar with any social media platforms like YouTube or Pinterest, you can find thousands and thousands of examples of DIY projects. It's amazing. There's arts, there's crafts, there's baking, there's landscaping ideas, everything, it goes on. But I was actually doing some research on the DIY world recently, and according to some experts, DIYing is set to explode to a near $14 billion industry by 2021. Did you know that? Yeah, DIY is very trendy. Everyone is doing it, whatever it is. But while I think it's amazing to do DIY projects, I also wonder if it's what God really desires for us spiritually, if he wants us to walk through life doing it on our own. I don't believe that God wants you to DIY your life or to go through life on your own. And I know for me personally, I don't want to do it by myself. I cannot do it by myself. But for a long time, for a lot of years, I tried unsuccessfully. For many years, I was going through life and doing it on my own. Mind you, I grew up in church, I knew who God was, and I had a personal relationship with Jesus, but I thought I'd had surrendered my life to him, but the question is, did I really surrender it to him? Do you know what I mean this morning? Anyone? Yeah. So many of us live in the tension of wanting to trust God fully, knowing we have to, but still feeling like we need to control everything in our life. For me, I was living with this tension of wanting to fully surrender everything to God, but still feeling like I had to manage and plan everything. I unintentionally moved through life without considering if I have ever consulted with God. I'm not perfect. Far, far from it. (laughs) I'm still a work in progress, especially in this area. But there are a few verses I want to share with you out of Luke that I think will help you and continue to help me as I journey through learning how to surrender everything to God. I encourage you to look at the ESV and the Passion Translation later, but I'm going to read out of the Message Translation, and this is what it says. So again, it's Luke 9, 23 to 25. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You are not in the driver's seat. I am. Can you look to the person on your left and just say, you are not in the driver's seat? Yeah. Can you look to the person you left behind and tell them, he is. Come on. So good. Yeah. 
Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is my way, the way, to finding yourself, your true self. What, would, what good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? These verses have been a game changer for me. Every time I read this, I'm reminded that I have to put to death certain things in my life so I can give God space to move. Yeah. Jesus is calling us to move beyond just believing he exists or that he can or will save us. He'll do all those things. But what Jesus is asking us to do this morning, I believe, is to move out of the way and let him lead. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I struggled to come to an understanding of, but I feel like I can with confidence share with you this morning, is that control actually comes from a posture of arrogance. So if I can explain or define arrogance, arrogance is an exaggerated sense of self in one's own ability. So when we sit in the driver's seat of our own life, we're essentially playing God. You know, we need to give God space to drive our life. Yeah. I need to put to death, I needed to put to death, the arrogance and the pride that kept me from relying on God's help. We just read that self-help is no help. But there are a few thoughts I want to share with you really quickly that I think help me on my journey of surrender and I think can help you too. So number one, surrender is a daily discipline. We need to begin our day with a posture of surrender. We need to practice it consistently and routinely. We need to trust God with the weight of the truth of our life in the season that we're in. I need to surrender my emotions, my frustrations, my everything to God. Number two, surrender requires sacrifice. Surrender costs. We may suffer as we deny ourselves to take up the cross, but we need to trust that God is working even in our seasons of suffering. I love what Pastor Sherry said last week, that even when we can't see it, God is working. God never stops working. We need to trust that he will fill in the gaps and grace, grace the areas and the dry spaces of our life. Number three, surrender brings peace and freedom. I really discovered for myself that peace is on the other side of surrender. I receive peace when I'm able to open up my hands and let whatever thing I'm holding so firmly on go. I don't know if that resonates with anyone this morning. Yeah, but it's true for me. When we live in control of our own life, when we try and do it on our own, we actually invite things like worry and anxiety and fear into our life. But when we make an active choice to surrender whatever it is that you're holding on to and lean into the process of trusting God with our every need, we actually grow our faith and we trust that God will meet every need that we have. And my final point is surrender brings space. It brings space for God to move. It brings space for our faith to grow. And it brings space for God to be bigger than whatever circumstance we're facing. Yeah. So just to close, every day I remind myself that God is sitting in the driver's seat. He has a plan and a purpose for my life, and he does for you too. I really, really believe that. The more I have stepped back and surrendered in obedience according to his will, I actually see God at work. 
So I want to leave you with a few questions that I've used to challenge myself. And I have a challenging personality, so I want to challenge you this morning. Is that okay? Okay. What do you need to surrender today? That's a really big question, but I think we need to ask ourselves that often. What do we need to surrender today? Who is sitting in the driver's seat of your life? Are you putting yourself, your plans, your desires, your insecurity, worry, anxiety, fear, whatever it is, to death in order to follow him? Our level of commitment is revealed when our faith is tested. How committed are you to his will for your life? Are you holding on, leaning in, trusting him when things don't go your way? DIY projects are fun, but they're frustrating because you can't do them all on your own. The call to die to ourselves and carry our cross requires absolute surrender. I am in no way suggesting that this is easy. It's still a challenge, even for me right now in the season that I'm in. For me, the call was tough, but the reward has been matchless. God wants us not only, God only, sorry, God doesn't only want to be involved in your life. He wants to be the leader of your life. He doesn't want anything less. And we shouldn't settle for anything less either. Hi, so I'm just going to be sharing um, a verse that has really spoken to me lately. And it's in John 4, and it's right after um, the woman in the well and where she meets Jesus. If you haven't read it, you should read it. It's great. But but it's right after this, a miracle kind of happens with this woman, and um, she is telling the town about Jesus. And it's funny because it goes straight into verse 31, and it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. And it's just like such an abrupt um, like change of um, like scenario. And, and then it goes on to say, But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And then the disciples asked, did someone bring him food while we were gone? And then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. And um, I'm going to come back to this verse in a little bit, but it's really spoken to my heart lately. Um, but I also want to point out that the disciples were saying, Jesus, you need to eat something. You need um, what the world says that you need to, to live. And he says, no, I just need um, God and I just need his will. So um, I'm going to skip down to verse, verse 37. Um, and in the Bible, it talks a lot about there's a theme of planting or sowing and then reaping the harvest. And um, it says, you know the saying, one plants and another harvests," And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. So I just want to um, challenge you. Um, what I've been challenging myself with. And um, first, before the challenge, we need to know that we can receive a harvest that um, we didn't pay for. And we, we get to do that by others, first of all. It says one plants and another harvest, and it's true. Um, something that I get to harvest, I wouldn't be here today if other people didn't plant into me, if other people didn't plant into ministry. Um, I wouldn't be here if... <laughs> Um, my youth pastor, when I was seven, he didn't care if I wasn't a youth, but he talked to me about Jesus, and I wouldn't be here. Sorry, I cry very easily. <laughs> um, 
but I wouldn't be here if my camp counselor didn't pray with me. And I never even told her that it meant anything to me, but um, she still took that, that step and prayed with me and sowed into my life. And um, just the, the blessing of this church, Dr. Coulter and Mrs. Coulter, Pastor Brent and Nicole. Um, we, now me and Tyler get to sow into so many youth because of their faithfulness. Um, and we get to harvest that. The second way we get to harvest is um, we get to harvest what Jesus did. He, he sowed his life, um, and we get so, so much stuff that we didn't um, plant and that we didn't work for ourselves. Um, we just get to receive it. And I think sometimes we forget that, and we don't step out in boldness and say, I'm a new creation. Like, God has forgiven me. I can be bold in my faith. Um, and then this is kind of what I wanted to talk about that I've been going through. I think um, we take all of that and we know that God is good and we know we need to read his word and connect with him daily because he um, makes us feel good, right? And he uh, fulfills us. But um, sometimes I struggle with, because let me give you a background. My, my parents didn't really go to church, but um, they loved me so much. My parents loved me so much that they wanted to give me everything the world could offer me. They wanted which is great. They wanted to send me to a good school. They wanted me to have a high-paying job. They wanted me to be successful um, and give me everything the world had to offer, but they didn't know what Jesus could offer me. Um, and so um, I think oftentimes I take the harvest, oh, Jesus, you're good. Um, like, I feel so free. I feel so good when I'm in a rough place. But then I say, oh, let me take it with me in my idea of success. Um, and I am just challenging myself today. Let's, let's take what we harvest from Jesus and let's sow it back in. It says um, our nourishment comes from doing the will of God. And I think that's so true whenever I'm just um, challenging myself to sow back into other people. That's where my true nourishment comes from. Um, so we're taking Jesus' harvest and we're sowing it back into people. And I just want to sow into um, my marriage so that not only I can receive the harvest, but my kids and their kids and their kids can, can receive that harvest. Um, and I want to sow into the youth so that maybe I'm just having one conversation or one prayer with the youth, but they're having a conversation with two other people and then it keeps going down. Or maybe it's in your workplace, like what a testimony it is if maybe in your workplace 25 years from now, um, it looks more like Christ, and um, I think that's just such a miracle. Maybe someone doesn't have to go through what you went through um, and just into this church. And, yeah, I'm just, I've been reminded of how much I um, am harvesting, but also what actually gives me nourishment is pouring it back in to other people. So, yeah. So I'm the kind of person that uh, really likes to understand how things work, and I feel stupid when I can't figure something out, which happens every day. So uh, when it comes to God, uh, sometimes I think, and maybe you've thought this as well, God, if you would just do something spectacular in my life that I can see, then maybe I would understand better, better and maybe I would have greater faith. And I think about this a lot. And I'm reminded of a verse in the book of Psalms um, in, that I think illustrates the presence of God in our world. And it's Psalm 19, verse 1. It says, The heavens 
tell the glory of God, and the skies announce what his hands have made. God is everywhere, I think, even if we don't realize it. The evidence of God is all around us, even if we can't see it. When we come to church on Sunday and we come to enjoy worship, most of us typically don't notice the production booth in the back. We come and we, we see the people on the stage. We hear their voices or their instruments, and so we just accept it as it is. We're here to enjoy the worship. We see something. It's reality to us. But what I think is interesting is that if you remove the production booth, if they don't do their job, then we wouldn't be able to see or hear this band, no matter how talented they might be. And I think in a similar sense, uh, God, is the, God is the source of everything in our lives. Excellence is invisible. And when, when something is done so well, like our production, um, we miss the source. And if God is the source of everything in our lives, we kind of are so used to what we are living in that we kind of lose sense of how truly amazing it is that we live here at all. And I think... Thank you for allowing me to pause so I can think. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of good things in this world, and there's a lot of bad. I believe God is the source of all good things in our life. Um, but if we're honest, there's a lot of bad in the world. And I think some people use that bad to discredit the existence of God. But I think if you remove God from the equation, then there was, there's nothing for us to talk about at all. God is the reason that we are as we are. God is the reason we exist. And um, we, again, we want God to do something uh, miraculous in our lives. We want God to do something to show that he exists. And I wonder if God thinks, okay, like what? What more do you want me to do? Do you want me to create uh, a rock large enough for you to live on and fine-tune it so it can sustain life and stand in stark contrast with all the other floating rocks in the universe? I already did that. Or how about, how about I create a 576 megapixel camera, give you two of them, and put them on the front of your head? I already did that. That's what you see through. And how about I connect those cameras... <laughs> How about I connect those cameras to a 3,000 gigahertz computer in your head and that has enough memory to pass down information from generation to generation? I already did that too. Or How about this trick? 50,000 cells in your body will die and be replaced by new ones before I even finish this sentence. And that's all without any conscious effort on your part. And we say, no, God, do something really amazing. Do something, do something incredible, like a, like a miraculous healing. That would be amazing. That would prove to me that you exist. And I think, I don't want to put words in God's mouth, but I think he would say, okay, well, thanks to that computer you have in your head, you can heal most modern diseases yourself. God didn't just heal people. He created a species of self-healers. And... God has already done so much. God has already done more than we can imagine. And 
I need to remind myself of this constantly because it's so easy for me to miss because we're so used to it. But I'm here on this earth and in this church only because of God. And that changes, that changes me. That, that makes me look at this, this world and the role I have here at the church differently. It changes the way I live and it changes the way I lead. I love being able to serve junior high every single week. And because of what I believe about God, I'm able to show up and know that my attitudes and my actions, they make a difference. They, they carry significance. Every conversation, every interaction, every student is unique and should be treated as special. This kind of thinking allows me to live with the hope and the expectation that great things can happen. It's impossible to out-imagine God. You can't out-imagine God. He, he orchestrates time. He creates light, and he speaks things into existence. From the largest stars in the universe to the smallest starfish in the ocean, he is a powerful, purposeful, personal, and unparalleled creator. And if you ask me, I think the evidence is all around us. Thank you. No pressure after that one, y'all. I will not talk about the science of our body. But are you learning something this morning so far? Man, uh, we've only heard from three, but our team is bringing it. I love being part of this team. Uh, it's the epitome of what living in community is all about, just uh, hearing and learning and leaning in with one another. And uh, that's kind of what I want to start and just share my story about how joining the team, joining uh, the staff here at the church um, has just kind of taught me lessons about... Um, the importance of surrendering to God's purpose and plan for your life. So it was about this time, five years ago, that I joined uh, the full-time staff here at the City Church. And while I absolutely love being part of this team, while I feel called and I'm excited to build what God is building here, I never would have thought I would have landed up here uh, working on a church staff. And you know, when you ask little kids what they want to be when they're older, they never say full-time ministry. Yeah, they never say that. And I was no exception. And so among the long list of uh, potential careers and jobs that I aspire to be, I actually always wanted to be a teacher. I loved reading. I loved writing. I loved learning. I loved sitting at a desk and being in school. And so as I moved through high school and moved through university, that's the dream I kind of chased after. I made a dream plan at 16. I was going to go to university. I was going to graduate. I was going to get me a job, and I was going to live happily ever after. And so that's exactly what I did. I went to University of Toronto. Check. I got into Teachers College. Check. I got the tutor. I worked the part-time job. I took extra classes. Check. 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 And all of that work landed me a permanent teaching job within days of graduating Teachers College. And uh, I got to teach French. I got to teach French to. Um, high school students, and it was so much fun. I couldn't believe it. All of my dreams were coming true. Everything was going according to my plans. And then all of a sudden, I found myself sitting in a church service, very similar to what we're experiencing this morning. And I started to feel this like tension and this shift come in my heart. And I felt like God was, 
preparing and drawing me for a bigger change. To be to be honest with you, I was incredibly uncomfortable. I could tell that he was asking me uh, to leave teaching and to come to, to the staff here at church and start helping move things forward. And uh, I started wrestling with this idea. To be honest with you, I was mad. I was really, really mad. I didn't want to leave the comfort of teaching. It was comfortable. It was secure. It, it was what I loved. And yet God was drawing me closer. And so a lot of my prayers around that time was angry, but thank God that he can handle our anger. He can handle our confusion. And in that, in those raw and honest conversations, um, I found the scripture in Proverbs 19.21, and it says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And so I'm here to tell you this morning, it might not look like the way you want it to look like. It might not sound like the way you thought it would sound like. You, it might not check off all these things on your checklist, but it's his thoughts that are higher, his ways that are better, and all things are perfect in his timing. And I'm not just talking to the young person in the room trying to navigate some career and future decisions. I'm talking to the students in the room trying to handle some difficult relationships. I'm talking to the moms and dads praying over their kids, the husband, the wife, the business owner, the person buying a new house. Many are our plans, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And so that means that God's going to do what he's going to do. God is God. He's going to accomplish what he sets out to do. And the truth is, he wants to accomplish big things through us. But he waits for us to say yes to all of the plans that he has. And so, um, you know, when you plan a vacation, we were talking about going to Fiji in Tokyo. You don't book a flight without consulting or chatting with your friends or looking at your calendar first. It doesn't make sense. There's a certain order to things. When you're sick, you don't take medication without consulting the doctor first. And so I wonder why sometimes we make plans without consulting the master planner first. Let's not be a people that just thinks, Spirit, lead me where your trust is without borders, without being willing to lay our checklist and our plans at the feet of Jesus. And this morning, you know, just before I end, because I know my time is coming to an end, um, I just wanted to share a scripture out of Jeremiah 29, 11. And um, because while I know that my purpose is going to be different than what God's purpose is for you, the Bible is very clear about the good nature of the purpose and plans that he has for each and every single one of us. And so Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans and thoughts I have for you, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, plans to give you a future and our hope. Listen, it's our job to say yes to whatever God has planned for us. He is the master planner. He is the way maker. And he is a faithful father. Thank you. All right. I was uh, never very good at being bad. Um, like, uh, I was like the friend that was kind of like left out of like certain conversations in my friend group because they knew that I would probably be the one like, are you guys sure that we should be doing that? Um, like, 
what do you think mom would say about that? Like, I, I just wasn't, I wasn't good. I remember one time I did, I did something, I did something really bad. And kid you not, like that night, I, I didn't, I didn't sleep a wink. Like, like could not sleep. I, I somehow got through it. And six months later, I woke my dad up in the middle of the night to tell him what I had done. Like, I was not good at being bad. And honestly, if you looked at my life, I mean, I grew up in church. I had a great family. Pretty much everybody in my family either works in the ministry full-time or serves, like, in a very big capacity. And if you looked at my life, like, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have maybe what you would call, like, like a, a big testimony. And I kind of I struggled with that for a long time. Like, I'd look at other people and be like, well, they, like, went through stuff. But I, really, at the end of the day, they were just going through stuff on the outside. But I, I just want to kind of be honest here today. I was actually going through deep stuff on the inside of me. You know, it's easy to walk through life with the front up. It's easy to walk through this church, walk through the doors here and show up. Like, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed, brother. Oh, I'm doing, God is good all the time, right? Like, this is how we live our life sometimes. And it's really easy to just kind of put on this front and make it seem like everything is okay. But the truth is, I had some really messed up stuff going on on the inside of me. I was pretty broken. I was pretty um, hurt and uh I kind of had this argument with God as I was getting ready to, to share today. Um, but uh, I believe testimonies are powerful. I believe that's how we overcome, it says in Revelation, by the blood of the Lamb, what Jesus has done, and then the word of what he has done by his blood, by the word of our testimony. Um, and the truth is, for about eight, eight or nine years, um, I, I had a real big lust problem, you guys. Like, there was this ugly disgusting sin on the inside of me, and I, I held on to it tight. And, you know, I, I, would, I would try and let go of it. I would try and surrender it to God. But it was this constant back and forth struggle, and I was, I was thinking ways I shouldn't think. I was looking at things. I was doing, like, it, it was this massive thing that nobody knew anything about. But there's this thing on the inside of me that God needed to deal with. And, and what I began to discover, actually, you know, I, I was so focused on trying to be better. I was so focused on the action of what I was doing and trying to not do it. And, and I thought it was an action issue. But what I found out at the end of the day is that I actually had an identity issue. So what I want to talk today, just for a couple more words, is identity. Because I believe that if we allow ourselves to believe that we're broken, we will act like we're broken. Even in, back in Genesis, the very first sin we see in the scriptures where Adam and Eve partake of the fruit, the snake comes along and it says in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent speaks to Eve and he says, you will not certainly die if you eat the apple. This is what the serpent said. For God knows that when you eat from the tree, your eyes will be open and watch this, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, the enemy attacked what Eve believed about herself. The enemy was attacking what Eve believed about herself and in turn, what she believed a person like that would do. And I think a lot of times, this is how the enemy tries to mess with us. And so often we're focused on, on what we don't do and, and trying to, to be better at what we do and what we don't do. And we're focused on the action, but God wants to come and heal our identity. That's what I believe. So it says that in Genesis, because I believe this. What we do is a result of who we believe that we are. I love Romans 8, 37. It's one of my favorite verses. And as I was journeying on this journey for eight or nine years, there's 
uh, th- this this moment, or it wasn't even a single moment. It was kind of this journey. I went out, like, guys, I was in Bible college. I was two years into Bible college, and this was still my struggle. So first off, I just want to say, um, I meant to say this earlier, but uh, I'm just thankful that, that God is okay that we're messed up. Like, can I just say from the stage of this church, you do not have to be perfect to walk through those doors. You will not find a single perfect person in a seat in the city kids class in junior high. This is a house where we can come to God just as we are, approach his throne of grace boldly and say, God, here I am. Work on me. Work on me. And in Romans 8, 37, one of the, I think one of the most powerful, probably one of the most quoted scriptures in all the Bible, it says, but in all of the things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now listen, listen, listen. We, we, we love it because, and we think it's an action verse. Like, I'm conquering. I'm, I'm overcoming. It's a thing. But, but the key is that it's who we are. We are more than a conqueror. That's who you are. Through what Jesus has done, it's not something you have to try and be. It's not something, oh, maybe I can achieve that. No, it's who you are already, presently, actively, in this moment, in your situation. Whether it's a sin thing that you are just trying to overcome. Uh, it's Maybe it's an anger thing. Maybe it's a peace thing. You just don't have peace and you're trying to, to receive. Like it, It's all of these different things. And we think it's about actions, but it's actually about identity. So what I had to do was take this verse in Romans and I had to take all these other verses like it. And I needed to actually have a revelation of who I was in Christ and let it change the way that I live. See, I had to learn to fight the right way. I was fighting thinking it was an action thing, but I needed to learn how to be properly equipped to fight the battle. So what I had to do is that I had to get this thing in my heart and on my mouth. I want to show you a picture. This is a list I made in Bible college and something I needed to do. These are all of the things that this is not a, all of the, this is not all of the things, but these are things that I found in the Bible just as I was doing my devotions every day. And it said, I am loved. I am blessed and highly favored. And I would have to look at this thing constantly. I would have to read this thing constantly. I would have to get up in the morning and I would have to look at myself in the mirror and I would have to recite these things because I needed to get my identity straight. I was trying to overcome it, trying to overcome my action, but I needed to do it by fighting, understanding what my identity is in Christ. So this morning, if you are struggling, and maybe it's like me, it's a secret thing on the inside that nobody knows about. Maybe it's something on the outside. Maybe it's a relationship that you you know is unhealthy, you can't get out of. Maybe it's a thinking pattern that you just can't break. And you are just thinking, I I am nothing. I can't do it. The truth is you can't do it, but Jesus can. Jesus can come and remind you who you are. So this morning, I'm just here to tell you, you are more than a conqueror. You are victorious. You are righteous. You are blessed and highly favored. You are the head. You are not the tail. You are before. Come on. God is with you. God is for you. You are the righteous son or daughter of Christ. You are a co-heir with him. You are planted on the rock. You are hidden in the shadow of his wing. Dive into what the Bible has to say. And you won't have to worry about your actions because your identity will begin to change. And you'll begin to realize what Jesus 
has done for you. Submit your view of yourself to God because I believe that if we can think right, if we can believe right, we will behave right. So I felt God say, we need to submit our view of ourselves to Him and let Him redefine us. Like imagine your name in the dictionary. You see your name. And right now you have your own definition. You have your, and it's built on your past. It's built on ABC. It's built on things people have said. It's built on mistakes you've made. It's built on fears you have. But I believe that today you can submit that to God and he can redefine that list of words that comes after your name. And it can look something like that picture. All you have to do is dive into the word. All you have to do is dive into the word. Can you guys stand up on your feet really quick? Can we just give it up for these amazing speakers today? Come on, can we really just give it up? Come on, they did such a great job. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.